I've been doing readings since the age of two. I'm like, where in your crib? Like, where have you been doing readings? Like, we can barely talk at two. Like, I have a rattle here. How do you connect with the rattle or the Muppets? Like, no. Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. Listening to Season 2, Episode 8, Finding Balance, featuring current star of the national tour of Wicked, Talia Suskauer. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jimmy, your host. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I'm guessing some of you might be today because of our guest, and I know. The Green Machine brings its own slew of, of fans to to each you know podcast. So if you're unfamiliar with what this show is about, um, I've been a practicing medium for just about the greater half of the last 10 years, and my experiences have led me to just, um, gosh, be able to connect with some of the most incredible Broadway artists. So when the pandemic hit, I got this idea of starting a just a weekly podcast where I sit down with the artists and we explore the connections between energy and artistry, which is, there's so many actually. So that's what we do. A question that was, that came in for me and it's, I've been sitting with this trying, cause I want to answer it as best as I can. If somebody was not the kindest here in this life, do they stay like that on the other side? Which I was like, oh, that's because I've, I've encountered it quite a bit. So from my experience, no. From now, we, we also have to, I think we also have to chunk out like what types of people are we talking about? Like, are we talking about serial killers? Are we talk or are we talking about grandpa who, who had a drinking problem and was distant from his kids? I rank those as very, very different, you know, um, types of people. And the serial killer folks, those are people that would never, ever, ever be allowed in during a reading. So if you sit with a medium, they're almost always going to start with a prayer where we kind of set the intentions of who are we allowing to come in. So for me, it would, it's like the equivalent of if I start with a prayer, it's like I give out a Zoom link that has a password. If I don't start with a prayer, I'm giving out a Zoom link where any creep could be joining the call. So for me, what it looks like on, on my end, so if you're a medium in training or you just want to know why I make the weird faces sometimes during readings, I'm looking over at like my one o'clock right now, which is where my guide sits uh, during the reading. And if I see him do this to his soul, it means they're not fully allowed to come sit with me at the table, as, as bizarre as that sounds. It doesn't mean that they were a serial killer. It just means that I know I have to go into the reading with a sensitivity because whoever I'm sitting with that's here in the physical might have some bad blood with the soul that's coming through. So maybe we have um, a father coming through that was abusive or we have somebody who we found out, um, let's say, cheated on grandma repeatedly and we hold this. Sometimes they will just do this to let me know okay, be really gentle with this one. If they come off as grouchy, I think sometimes, I'm just going to take a liberty, I think sometimes mediums misread that and they think they're still angry on the other side. What they're doing is they are recreating how they were here so we can describe that to the client. So when I first started reading, if I saw a soul that would do this and be like, I don't want to talk with you, I used to go, 
oh my goodness, they don't want to talk with me. What's wrong? And, but then I'm like, well, that makes no sense. Like clearly they're talking with me right now. If they didn't want to be seen, they wouldn't be seen. And then I went, oh, would they have not been receptive to mediums when they were here in the physical? And the answer is always yes. So if they drag their heels, they're not like that anymore. Same thing for the souls. Most of the time, if I do, if, if I, if I see this up, it also means at some point an apology most likely is, is coming during that. Um, I have never found a, encountered a soul that has never wanted to apologize for their wrongdoing. Never. Um, so though that's, that's just my experience, but I would like to say that they grow on the other side. They, they can work with family members. They can work with their guides. So for example, if you had somebody that was a member of the KKK, something that they might be doing on the other side would be helping people of color cross over. Um, so they, they basically do things that seem appropriate in terms of service and giving back on the other side based off of what they didn't really learn while they were here in the physical. So that's, I guess, that's a whole topic, I think, but for right now, that's that's the best I, I can try to answer it with a truncated version. So, Okay, so our guest today, super, super talented, like crazy talented. I fell down the rabbit hole and I just admitted to her, I'm like, I think I have a talent, like hardcore crush on you. And um, in a little bit, I'll explain all these crazy ways. Like when we talk about how the universe is a small place, like how many different ways we like, the roads kind of led us to meet each other, which is which is crazy. So she made her Broadway debut in uh, the Broadway production of Be More Chill. And then she is currently, which is so cool to say, I mean, uh, currently um, Alphaba in the national tour of Wicked, which is which is set to return touring in August, correct? August? Yeah, so I can't wait. Please help me in welcoming the incredible, incredible Talia Suskauer to our show today. Oh. Hi! Hi, how are you? I am so good. I am so happy to be here and I get to talk with you again and I'm so happy. I, that's what I say because I'm like, I'm so fortunate where I, I think I have a leg up on some of these other podcasters because sometimes they only get to meet you once and I'm like, mm -mm, we got to do it in two parts so that way you can process the reading and then we can we can come back another day. So right. I'm, I'm real fortunate where I get to you know, um really, you know, get to connect twice. So, yeah. um, oh goodness, let's just start with, you're doing well, life is good. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's been a wild year for all of us. I think I can, that's fair to say. And so now I finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, oh. flights are booked. I'm ready to go back into rehearsal. And with that comes a lot of excitement and anxiety and stress and all, all of the above. So I'm feeling a combination of all of it right now, but very just grateful to be going back. How much of Wicked is, so after a year and a half of being off, how much is muscle memory? Like, could you, I, I, I guess, are you relearning the entire show from scratch? How does this work? I don't know. I mean, I, I do know based on what I know of former Alphabuzz that there are people that have been out of the show for months and maybe even a couple of years that just can kind of shake off the dust and go back into it. I'm hoping that's the same with me. Um, I've started to, I feel like I've forgotten a bunch of the lines, but I don't, I think once I get back into the environment, we'll see what happens. I really think I'm going to be okay. I'm, I know generally where I'm supposed to go. And I think once I get a little refresher, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. But I mean, I did almost 200 shows. So that has to stay so in, in you somewhere. 
Yeah. She's definitely in your blood. She's in my bones. She's in your, yes. I think the same works with, I don't know. I, I can't speak for all mediums, but for me, if I don't practice for a while, it's like a, it's like vocal. It's, mm -hmm. it's a muscle. And if you don't use it, like, you know, I, 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 the max I will take off is, is about a week. So I have some weeks that are blocked off in the summer, but you know, it's tricky because if I'm on vacation, I'm most likely not meditating. I'm most like not like, you know, sitting in the power or trying to do mini reads on people. If I'm off, I'm off and I want to appreciate right. that time. So I definitely have to go like the day before I have to go, okay, now I'll do a practice read on someone or now I, I got to get back into it because I will feel rusty if, if I don't. So of course I'm right there. With I you. think that actors are athletes and dancers are athletes. And I think a lot of people watching the show don't think about it that way, but we are. And I think, you know, anyone that uses their muscles like we do in these very unique ways, you know, we're athletes and we have to get back into shape and yeah. that's going to take a little bit, but I feel very fortunate that we are all in it together. It's not one person that's been out for a year and a half. It's a company, you know, even while you're doing it, like I feel, I feel secure in my ability as a medium, you know, but it's still, it's still hard. I mean, by all oh, means, yeah. it's not like I get through it and I go, Oh, that was easy today. Like it's difficult. It's just, I know how mm -hmm. to navigate it more now if I keep up. I think the thing that scares me the most, and it's, it's only scary because it's hard and I had to go through it the, the first time is, it's just getting used to it. I had, um, the alphabet before me, Marianne Torres, who's brilliant. Um, I asked her, I was like, if you can give me one piece of advice, like how, like, how am I going to get through this? And she was like, you're not going to like what I have to say, but you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And at that time, that was a frustrating answer to get, but she was completely right. I think what I'm most afraid of is that long period of adjustment. Yeah. You know, it's it's just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until you're like, oh, this is me. This is what I do now. And I think that that hopefully will be a little shorter this time, but it's still, you know, it's a period of adjustment. Gosh, oh my goodness. It's, I mean, it's such a valid point though. I mean, can I ask though, for let's say if it feels weird in your body, does that translate to the audience or is that something? almost never like I had my mom has seen the show a million times and so is my boyfriend and they can probably tell that I had an off show or they can tell like they've seen it so many times so it's like splitting hairs but they can tell but if I ask a you know a regular audience member who hasn't seen the show in a long time or oh if I say hey you know how was that and they were like that was amazing whatever yeah. they cannot tell if I if I, the energy was a little bit off. It's, I find the same. Like I had just done gallery readings and I didn't realize of all nights, I started it on the first night of retrograde. I was like, let's pick this date. So I go in there and I'm like, why do I feel like, no, mind you, I'm like, I, they, it went really, it was, it went so beautifully. And I was really, I looked at my husband and now mind you, because it, just the same with your boyfriend. Like they know we might beat ourselves up. And I'm like, right. he's like, no, it was great. But I, I know you're going to beat yourself up. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel that way. I'm like, wait, should I? And he's like, no, no, it was, it was really good. But I mean, I, I go out there and I'm so glad I did it while they were making smudge sticks. I had to walk around just to start seeing which parts of my body were going off. So when I walked past wow. one table, this started going off. So like I had a notebook and I was like, okay, I was like, 
drug or suicide middle table. And sure enough, it made sense. But because when I started doing the readings, I literally felt like I was blindfolded, like it was like a pinata game. And or <gasps> or better yet, like you're looking at a Monet. And you know how if you're super up close to a Monet, you're like, what am I looking at? And it wasn't right. until I started to step back and walk around that I was like, oh, like I opened my eyes after the prayer and I felt like I was in an elevator of like 500 people. I would imagine so. I'm just going to guess. Did you always have the bug? Like, did you know that you were going to do this growing up? Yeah, I think, I mean, from the moment I could talk, I was singing and I was dancing and I just was a ball of energy. My younger sister and I would put on shows in the living room. You know, we had a costume box and we were just going for it. And I had very, I have very, very supportive parents who just encouraged it and lifted us up. And um, they're both not in theater, but they just love it so much. And I think I have a video of me when I was four in my preschool production they did like a version of the wizard of oz and i was singing somewhere over the rainbow at, at four and which is funny little wizard of oz connection there but um yeah i, I, I th there wasn't another option and i was just again very fortunate to have parents that didn't say didn't force me into another option you know um and which was i i, I grew up in a very um artistic community i went to uh, middle school for the arts. So it was a public magnet middle school where I was able to do theater in mm. school and went to the high school that is kind of similar, another magnet arts high school. I was a theater major there and did community theater and I was just surrounded by it down here. So I feel lucky. In high school, I'm always fascinated by this because I'm often asked, like, did you know that you were a medium or that you were supposed to do this or that you had some type of, the answer is like, no. And yes, like, no, I didn't think I was going to be doing readings for, you know, for Broadway folks and TV folks down the line. But I, I knew that I was, I had some ability that others didn't tap into it or, or didn't want to tap into. But mm -hmm. for you, like doing community theater in high school, like, and don't worry, I, I know however you answer this, it's not going to sound snotty, but like, were you like, okay, like, I, I guess I'm, I'm pretty talented. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that I worked really hard and I was oftentimes made fun of for it. Um, in high school, you know, you're too theatery, whatever that means, yeah. or, you know, just made fun of for my extreme passion for it, you know, constantly singing musical theater in my car. And I, I did a production of ragtime when I was 16 and I played the mother in Ragtime, which is just my favorite musical ever. It's the most it's gorgeous. gorgeous show. And I remember getting up on stage and even though I was 16 and I was, you know, a couple decades away from the age of this character, I felt like I could feel her and tap into her experience and use my experience to relate to her and getting up there and, and, singing that big song back to before and standing up there and feeling the connection with the audience. And not only did I say, I want to do this for the rest of my life, but I can do this. I know that I can, I believe in myself. And I was validated by my teachers and by my parents and by the audience. And it might sound weird, but it, I really felt it in my soul that this was what I was meant to be doing. I love what you said though, this idea of 
I trained. I really dislike when people will come up to me and it's, it's not that they mean it with, with the best of intentions, but they're like, Oh, um, they'll, I'll either get, Oh, you're lucky that you're able to do this or like, Oh, you're, you've, you're, you've got the gift. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't, cause I don't believe, I think anyone can do this. I think anyone can sing. I, however, I'm, I just go, I believe that I'm skilled in what I do. I believe that I'm highly skilled because I've trained. So, cause sometimes right. people will go, are you nervous? And for me, I always have nerves going to, into every single reading, but I only go like, I'm really nervous or I'm afraid if I don't feel prepared or if I, if I right. didn't train. And so for me, most of the time I, I go, yeah, I got a little butterflies cause I want to do a great job, but I'm not nervous because I have trained. Do you know what I mean? It's, right. it's not, it's not like a fluke. That and you can going, rely on that training. Bingo. It's like and you're you. not winging it. You're not going out there. Let's see if this, let's see if I get through this, you know, over this bridge of wicked, you know, let's mm-hmm. see how this goes. It's okay. I know my body. I know what I, mm-hmm. so somebody <laughs> brought up a question that I think is, it, it's fascinating to me. They had talked about, and you hit on something so real because as someone that directs high school theater, Again, if you're listening at home and you don't know, full-time, um, I, I teach, and I love what I do. I love what I do for this, and um, that's that. I, I feel like I grew up with, I think my parents grew up in a generation where it was very much like you couldn't have more than one career. It was like you're either mm-hmm. this or you're this. So I feel very fortunate that I am able to do both, but I find it interesting you talked about playing mother at 16, and I remember... Um, goodness, we, we had done a, a, a production of Gypsy my first year directing, and we had an 18-year-old Rose who was like, <laughs> she she graduated, and she was so, I mean, she she went for musical theater, and she's, she's doing well, and I remember, you know, when you say it to some of the snobs, they give you shit, because they're like, oh, well, what can they access at 16 or 18? Right. But then I think it's hysterical that the same snobs are like the same folks in college that are going to be like, well, you know what, we're casting you at 19 as Rose, but it's a college production. I'm like, there is no difference in like in, in one year. I mean, if we're really, so can I ask like with limited life experience at 16, how do you, cause you said it so beautifully. You're like, I felt like she was a part of me. How do you tap into that and still have the role be taken seriously? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that everyone doesn't matter what phase of your life you're at. If you're five, if you're 85, you have very real emotions that you experience. If you're literally crying over spilled milk, that hurts you in your heart when you're five, right? Just as someone who's 85 has lost a loved one, you know, or, you know, an 85, like me, someone breaking into your house or Mm. stealing your treasured belongings. So, I mean, we all experience different things. Doesn't make anyone's problems more I mean, upsetting than anyone else's. They're equally as upsetting for whoever's going through them. So at age 16, I could tap into heartbreak. What I knew, what my personal experience of heartbreak was, I could tap into my personal experience of feeling restricted or restrained um, in my life, in different aspects of my life, and connect it to this woman who was living at the turn of the 20th century and who did not feel free. Um, 
and who wanted to be independent. And so, I mean, the best you can, just tapping into your own experience. I truly believe that everyone can do that if you're brave enough to do it, if you're brave enough to go there, right? You hit the nail on the head. Somebody that lost a parent, let's say at 10 years old, is going to have access to emotion that, let's say, like my mom just recently lost her parents within the last couple of years. And it, you can't tell me that a 10 year old, let's say that loses both of their parents in a tragic, that they don't know what that emotion right. is. Right. I was watching Harry Potter. I, I, I did a getaway in the Catskills and I was watching, it was raining. So we just, we binge watched them and I was watching, oh, was it? Um, there was this beautiful scene. It hits home, I think more as an adult. All I know is that there's like these invisible creatures that can only mm-hmm. be seen if you have experienced loss or if you've seen someone pass. And it just, it hit home with me in a way that I'm like, it made me think of like these students that I teach or that when you were that age, like if you, doesn't matter if you've experienced something in any capacity that then can go into the tool belt. Like even if we chalk it up to puppy love and we go through a breakup, that's still that 15 year old's first experience with, Maybe with rejection, with loss, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? And it's then those experiences that we expound upon and enter into adulthood with. So they're so right. important. Oh, um, so important. And I get frustrated too because I feel like, uh, or not, not frustrated, I'm asked sometimes as a medium, were you getting heavy things to begin with? And no, but. I found that the things that I went through, really bad breakup, for example, all of a sudden, because I went through it, I found that early on in my readings, I had a magnet for sensing it in someone else. And because I went through it and because I look, you can look at someone's face and go, you've got the same look that I had 10 years ago. And, or maybe it's just an energetic, like equal sign, but and so I always say my experiences that I've, I've gone through almost give me a magnet to, for, or maybe a magnifying lens for how to spot things better. But then in terms of the really heavy stuff, for me as a medium, you don't really get that in the beginning. You're going to get the grandparents. You're going to get a pet. You're going to, and it's mm-hmm. not until they'll throw something at you that's like really, I don't want to say spooky because it's never spooky, but they will share something with you. Like you'll get a soul that comes through then from, a murder or from a drug overdose and deliberately to see, okay, how does the medium handle it? And if we're able and we go, okay, I, I handled that. You'll start to get more of those as a way of the more they find that the, the more comfortable you get with the topic, you might encounter more of them. So I wasn't getting suicides in the beginning. I wasn't getting drug overdoses. I was getting happy right. grandma. And then as the more you develop and you start to go, okay, I know how to navigate this terrain. Then I was getting like the, abusive dad, or I was getting this. And it makes, I, I, I hopefully if you're listening at home, it makes sense, but basically we build on, yeah. on what we know. So another great question that came in, which oh, I think is so fascinating is let's say we're, we're trying to train for Broadway. How much is trainable in your opinion versus natural ability? Because there are, I, I'm going to be very honest. When I fell down the rabbit hole, I saw the clip of you actually singing back to before. And I saw you singing yes. all falls down. And I'm like, okay, as at that high school level watching, I'm like, okay, this is 
let's say I didn't know that you that you went on to Alpha, but right. I would have then Googled what you know. More, what happened to her? <laughs> what happened to her? Is she still performing? And so, in your opinion, because I know you also coach, are there folks that I guess, and not in a rude way, are there folks where you can look and you're like, I'm not sure we're ever going to get you to an alphabet role. But yes, yeah. Can you expound upon yeah. that? Yeah, and it's not for lack of practicing or trying. It's it's like if I could compare it to athletes for a second, it's like those kids in sports that just have the mind for it and have the uh, paired with the athletic ability. Um, and there are some kids that are never going to go on to the major leagues and really just enjoy it and work hard at it, but aren't going to get there because they don't have it. Right. Um, I think there's a certain amount. I think you can only train up to a certain like level. You know, I think that if someone really, really wants it and works really hard and puts in their 10,000 hours, but doesn't necessarily have the raw talent, they'll be okay. And maybe they'll work to some capacity. Um, but I don't know, like if you, for example, if you want to do musical theater and you are tone deaf or there's not really a nicer way to say that, but it's no, I, true. I it's it. like, if you're tone deaf, um, you can work on it, but there's really only so much, if you can't hear, if you can't hear that specifically, there's not really much we can do. Um, you know, when a kid comes in and they are just, you can feel the potential, not only are, do they want to really work hard, but you also just, they have that yeah. kind of quality to them. Um, that's the most exciting. Um, and also the kids that you get sometimes that like, maybe their parents just want them to have a lesson, but they're really good. And you just have to kind of light that fire in them. Yeah. Like you can do this if you want to do this. If you don't, that's okay. But if you want to do it, you have to still work hard. You can be super, super talented and not work hard. And I don't know if you'll necessarily get to where you want to be sure. professionally. There's a, there's a, when I directed Mamma Mia a couple of years ago, we had a student that had, I think done some theater, like some small theater outside of school. But for me, when I, from when I run auditions, I like, I don't like to look at them. I like to just close my eyes and be like, yeah, do I believe you? And, and can I see this? And she came in, I want to say she was a, she was a junior. Yes. I'm just making sure she was a junior. She came in and um, all these other girls, everyone and their mother was singing like the winner takes it all. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love the song if it's done well. Mm -hmm. And then um, it just was not, I felt like I was in church and like hearing like the church cantors sing like the winner takes oh, it all. Yeah. And then this girl comes in there and there was such a rawness to her voice and such a vulnerability. And I think it was, who knows, it could have just been the fact that she was a little nervous going into it. However she did it, it worked in the, in the fact that it lent itself to vulnerability for that song. But then mm -hmm. she also knew, okay, like I have to belt at the end because I, 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 oh, I get so frustrated when I, when you see some of these vocal coaches going, well, no, you really can just sing that in a head voice at the end that, that C just do it in a head voice. And I'm like, you can, but if we're training somebody like that ain't going to get you the job in the real world, no, like 
And also dramatically, that's not what that, that's, that's not why it was written. Bingo. You know, you know and I told her, I was like, this is a battle cry. This is a battle cry at the end of that song. Mm. And when they changed it for the movie, you know, where Meryl Streep's at the top of the, you know, Calicari or right. whatever, she, you know, and she doesn't, she doesn't belt it. I'm like, they kind of reworked it so it made sense, but I'm still like, that's not what you're hearing in the music. You're hearing intensity. No. And I remember, um, Oh God, there, there were waves when she got cast because people were like, well, I've been doing this longer, but I looked at her and I was like, you have raw ability. You have raw talent. You are somebody that is going to come in going, all right, I want to work. I want to learn. And now she's over at, uh, she's over at AMDA that she just finished her first oh, wow. year and she's like, she's flourishing and I'm, I'm so, so proud of her. So Anyway, if mm. if you're listening, Skylar, we love you. So yay, Skylar. Yes, I also feel like, um, you know, when we talk about kids who might not necessarily have the it factor when it comes to performing, who still really just have the drive. I think there are a lot of kids in high school and middle school that that don't see a place for themselves other than the stage because they don't know that it exists. Like there are hundreds and hundreds of different, different jobs in theater in just theater alone. If you open it up to theater and film, I mean, thousands of different kinds of jobs. Right. Yeah. So I think that, I don't know. I always try to encourage people to expand their horizons, you know? So, Hey, you know, if musical theater performing is not in your future, check this out check out company management, check out house management, check out hair, makeup, wardrobe. Like the, you, the list goes on and on and on. And every job is integral, integral, right? So. And it's this idea of, well, do you want to be on stage or is it more about this is the community that I feel like right. I belong in? I want to be a part of this. Bingo. And there's a place for you. I had some of our students that were not, I, I don't mean it really, not the greatest singers or dancers, but they had the most impeccable timing and they knew the intricacies of the score. And I'm like, you need to be working lights. You need to be working because mm -hmm. your average high school tech kid does not know, you know, let's say we're doing Piazza. Not that we, they don't know seven. They don't know the time. No, you know, but if you have a kid that knows music, they might not sing it the greatest, but they know it. There's, you know, you're an asset now. So mm -hmm. I, I always, or Hey, I've got great rhythm and timing. Great. We need you in stage management. Bingo. Bingo. You know, you call the show then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, I always have such a respect for, for those, for the stage management because you really have oh. to be a musical kid. You have to heart. be. You, you have, have to, to be. be. Mm -hmm. And the same, I mean, in terms of, I, I guess, to answer the question from my end about trainable, I, I believe that everyone's trainable to be a medium. I, I think not everyone's going to be, I, but I, I do think everyone has the ability. We all get things. Really? You know, we're, we're driving and we're like, oh, huh, why did I just think of like something that my grandmother would have said to me? Or, hmm, I really miss, I don't know, I'm just going to uh, I make up a name. I really miss Michelle. I should call her. I haven't spoken with her in two years. Boom, <laughs> the phone rings from Michelle and you're like, oh, that's weird. I always, or, or sometimes you just know when things are going to happen. Everyone has this ability. It's not like a, it's not like a lucky, I hate. That's when, so interesting. I, that's what I believe. I hate when you have these mediums that will try to get street cred with you. And they're like, well, I am third generation medium. I'm like, okay, <laughs> literally all that means is just that it was fostered within the family and and you were taught that it's, it's not stigmatized. It's so literally I'm like, okay, like 
that doesn't, or I love when they're like, I've been doing readings since the age of two. I'm like, where in your crib? Like, where have you been doing readings? Like we can barely talk it to like, I have a rattle here. How do you connect with rattle or the Muppets? Like, no, like I, I just, I think you, and as a medium, you don't need to do that. You don't need to try to no. sell people on, Oh, I, a fourth generation or something, or my great, 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 something was from the Salem witch trials. Like, no, if, if you train, which is, I guess, where, I, where I'm going with this. I know it's a, it's a long wraparound answer, but I think the stuff that you really need to, to train on, is, there's certain things that I don't think can be taught, how to talk to yeah. people. Like, oh. I, I don't like when I see the mediums that are straight shooters and that are really rude. And that's what I think makes certain mediums more apt to be a great one, is if you have right. the skills of, I know how to talk to somebody. I know how to have somebody crying in front of me and... Sometimes not even coddling them, just going, I'm sorry, do you, can I do anything for you? Do you know what right. I mean? It's that right. stuff that can't be taught. You can learn how to channel. It's that type of stuff. Bedside manner is Bingo. so important. It's just, I think it's everything because what if a medium just relayed a very, almost brought up something traumatizing in a way that wasn't gentle, Bingo. you know? And I think that that could have a very negative impact on somebody. Yeah, the bedside manner, I think, can't be taught. Or we eventually, you have some of these folks, and I, w- I would imagine even in your career, they, they embrace it as just, well, this is part of my personality. And Yeah, so, I'm a straight shooter. This is, this is just what I do. I give it to you bluntly. And sometimes that's not the best way. I think that you can be straightforward without being an asshole. I'm so yeah. freaking tired of the word straight shooter because we have glorified the term and masked it in a way to mean like, um, I'm going to be on like, no, like so many of these straight shooters that I see are assholes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not how you, and it, it makes me mad because I will then have a client that will come in going who had met with a straight shooter before. And th- they then develop a negative image or stereotype of light workers or, um, or mediums. And so then it's my job to go like, okay, this isn't how most of us work. And I would imagine right. the same has got to be within the arts community of, you know, there's got to be divas. There's got to be folks within your community. And then you're like, this is absolutely. Isn't... It's just so easy to be nice. And it's so easy to care about other people if you allow yourself to. And I mean, it's more energy to be angry and mean and rude. And I, if I say something that might even be perceived as rude, like I immediately just, I hope you know that that wasn't my intention. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's important too, because I think our work is both of our work is very cerebral. And if anything, this has happened to me before, my show has been affected when I'm not in the right headspace. And if I feel like someone has been rude to me, or I've misinterpreted something that someone has said, um, I am not okay. And I have like a weird, like, what did I do? What did I do? You know, yes, not self-imposed maybe, but also... I think it just speaks to the nature of like, we need our brains to work. And if anything else extra is in there, that's not serving us, then get rid of it. I know I have to cushion mine before I go in. Like I have a rule now of like just about a half hour before I go into a reading, like no social media, Mm -hmm. no scrolling the news. You know, I I hate when you see these posts that are like heartbreaking and you see some asshole ha ha it. And I'm like, Oh, who are they? I'm like, you know what I I mean? I know me too. It's like you get sucked in. That's why I love taking readings earlier in the day because there's less to rattle my cage by the time I, I meet with someone. So 
Right. I guess final question, then we'll go into, I would love to talk about the reading. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This is a good one, too. How has your career being a performer, or in your case, I think especially being somebody who's doing so well, and then for me being a medium, does it impact your friendships or relationships? So you take it away because I know you have. I mean, just in the nature of being on tour, right? I am away from my friends and family and my job I think this role in particular, playing Alphaba, is very different than going on tour and playing just like maybe a role in an ensemble-based show or something else because it is all-consuming. I am very, very tired after I'm done, and I don't want to get on the phone and have an hour-long phone call, right? Um, And also, I need to conserve my speaking voice. So I think just first and foremost in that way, I have trouble maintaining my relationships in terms of like catching up with people and maybe talking to a friend I haven't talked to in a while. And so it's almost like I need to rely on the fact that like those friendships are going to maintain. And like, after this contract is over and what, what this time has shown me is that they do, they do live on and people completely understand what I'm going through. But I mean, so that's in terms of friendships, that's what happens, which is sad. And I think ultimately some friendships will be lost, right? Um, the ones that really needed to be coddled most of the time, I won't have time for that anymore. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Um, I think in terms of family, my family gets it. They really get it. Um, they try to come out and see me once a month, which is very, very kind, but it's hard. Sometimes I just don't want to talk to anybody. And that's leading into my you know, relationship with my boyfriend, that's been extraordinarily hard. We were supposed to live together um, right before I went on tour the first time. And then of course that got pushed away and we only saw each other once a month and I'm someone that needs things to be very tangible. And so that's very hard for me and it's very hard for him. We almost, we said to each other, we almost forgot who we were, you know, aside from like FaceTimes at night or FaceTimes in the morning once a day, or it's, you forget who you are. And then we came back for quarantine and we were like, Oh, this is who we are together. You know, we're good together when we're in the same place and we'll have to navigate that journey again when we go back out. But, Oh man, it is just very, very difficult. And of course they're my biggest champions and supporters as I am of them, but it's a really all all encompassing career. And it does, it's not forgiving. Like I'm missing one of my best friend's weddings. Um, right. When I go back and I can't just take off for that. You know, it's, it's very unusual in that way, but we're just hoping people can be understanding and continue to be just wonderful. So do you find that now that you're headlining a tour as, as Alphaba, is there a tendency to try to be like, Hey, can I get your input on the tape or can you, I would like to be seen for Alpha. Can you coach me through this? Or can you get me seen? Like how do how, it's, ugh. It's less of that that I'm finding, but I feel like used in other ways and not by my truest friends, uh, by acquaintances that are like, hey, can you sing on this? Or hey, especially in this pandemic time, can you do this or do this or do this for free as a favor? And that I'm very sensitive to because first of all, we and I'm not a tit for tat type person. I'm not like a used scratch my back, I scratch yours type person at all. But 
I am a, if you are my soul sister, my soul brother, my soul person, if you are my friend, and I know we have a, a, a French, a really strong, deep connection, I will do anything for you. But don't take advantage of that if, if we are not close. Yes. And a lot of people have tried to, and taking advantage of kindness is never okay. And I had a lot of people to say, hey, can you record this for free? And can you do this for free and that for free? And eventually I just had to say, Abs- no, I'm done with that because that's not fair and that's not right. And I have never asked an artist to do anything for free, even one of my close friends. I will never ask an artist or someone that gives of themselves in their work to do anything for free because that takes a chunk out of you. People might not think, oh, but it's just one song. I'm like, but that's what I do for a living. Bingo. And that one song is all of the hard work. It's accumulation of all of the hard work that I've done every single year that I've been living. And also I give a little piece of myself in every song that I sing and people don't understand that. And it's really upsetting when other artists don't take that into account. That's when it hurts the most, you know? You, God, you struck gold because it's an energy exchange. And so if you're watching the podcast at home or listening, for example, like, I'll just be very honest, like, for example, I didn't charge Talia for the reading. She didn't charge me to come on today, but it's still an energy exchange. It's like I gave up my time and my ability, mm-hmm. as did she. So to me, I view that as different. But in terms yeah. of going, hey, can you just, or, you know, I guess to, to answer, it has impacted my some of my friendships mm-hmm. where if I want to do it of my own free will, because sometimes I'll get insight on, on a close friend. It's not often, but sometimes I will. So I'll just go, don't worry, this works itself out by August. Or, you know, I've got so-and-so here who's just saying, you know, they're aware of the secret um, um, journaling that you do to her. And those moments, if I, it's because it's my choice, but there's been some times where I've had to go, is this what we're friends for? Like, is this right. just for like, I, I can't keep doing this. Like, you know, it, it bugs me if it's like a how are you, by the way? And the, how are you is not meant. It was, this was a formality. Yes, that, oh, that gets me every time. Or it's just by like the way, the how are you? Right. Were they, or were they or miss on? you, miss you so much. No, you don't. No, you wanted a, you wanted me to read. And I love when they go, um, by all means, no pressure. I'm like, no shit. There's no pressure. I, the ball's in my court. If I'm going to say no to you, I'm, I'm going to say no to you. And I'm not going to lose sleep about it because no. it takes something from you. I, that's why I get so passionate about this podcast because the parallels are so strong. Like you leave a part yes. of yourself with that client that you read. And cause it's weird. Like there are clients now that I, I consider friends because you bond so intensely with somebody for 45 minutes, those experiences, like now I have a little part of them and they have a little part of me. And like, I'll weep sometimes during a reading if it really gets to me. And there's moments where you just have to go like, okay, energy, you know, energy exchange. Like if you don't recall that or if you're not careful about. So yeah, I've definitely had to put some friends in check and go, I don't know. You know, I have, I don't think I can read on this for you anymore. I have a great friend who's a great medium. Why don't I give you their number and ask about their rates is what I say. And then it's like, (laughs) boom, mic drop. And it's like, you like, do you get what I'm saying? And, And then they're like, oh, sure. So um, which I guess final topic. If so, I read you first off. The story is freaking wild of of how we 
there are just so many folks at home. Yeah. And I tell you, it's a small world. It's a small world. Like, and I always make the joke how every actor knows each other. But it's kind of true. For the folks at home, let's do the math. I read somebody who turned out to be your high school coach that, that got you prepped for, for Penn State. Yes. Apparently, the reading went well. They left like a very kind, glowing review. I was so grateful. Long story short, I book a reading with somebody named Michelle. Sit down and I start talking about you, not knowing it. Now, mind you, now at this point, I had also been told by Lindsay Heather Pierce, hey, I have a great friend um, that, right. that would like to have a reading with you. She's also an actress. Or act- I'm like, great. So I read Michelle and I start talking about a daughter. And I was like, oh, you've got multiple. Both are like fiercely talented. And your dad, Michelle, your father just wants me to have you tell your daughter that he was there for like, now mind you, I don't know that you're an actress yet because sometimes nope, they don't, they don't nope. tell me. I said he was there for like the big night, the ribbon cutting. And so no clue what I'm reeling. Find out. At the end, she's like, would you want to know? I'm like, sure, you can You can tell me. She's <laughs> like, well, my, my daughter is Talia. She's, I mean, talk about bragging rights. She's so cute. Mm. She's like, my, my daughter is Alphabet in the first national tour. Oh, you got to look. She's the best. And just the, the just how kind and just the pride that was emanating from her. Yeah. But then I find out you at this point had already booked an upcoming reading with me. Your mom didn't tell you the name of the medium. So I literally read, it was wild that I read both of you neither of you knew that you were being read by the like what are the odds like it was just wild and really serendipitous because it you know I had no idea that my mom was interested in doing this but it's something that I feel like I really weirdly feel like feel like every woman in my family is very spiritual Mm -hmm. we all are and it's something I think that we both separately wanted to do and the fact that she came into my room was like, I just did this and was just kind of all a flutter. And, um, you know, she said things like, uh, that you had said that my grandfather was there for like the big night and, you know, he was present and it was like, you, you said the date too, you said like a year and a half or yeah, a year and a half ago or something like that. And that was exactly the month of September of That's 2019, crazy. which is exactly when, I opened. Get out so of here. that just, oof. And I remember after I got goosebumps because I used the expression, I was, oh, I remember I used the expression, please tell her I was there for the ribbon cutting. And he said something like, to see her flying high. Yes. I will never, oh. I have goosebumps now to literally know then that I was then talking about somebody playing Alphaba who goes up in a lift nightly was like the craziest ass. Like, like you cannot. Even as the medium, it doesn't lose its sense of awe and wonder doing this. And you hear something that's so random that comes out of your mouth. And like recently I, I read somebody and I was like, I, I want to talk about your spouse and the headbutting with their parents. And they're like, oh God, it's it's really bad. And I didn't know. I just came out of my mouth. I said, well, you do know that it's because your spouse isn't, isn't his brother. And they've got him on a, like a... No one can beat the brother. I just said it out loud. No clue. And she was like, his brother passed when the brother was 13. So they very much memorialized the brother. If you don't mind, oh goodness, if you don't mind whatever you feel comfortable about, could you talk about our time together? Yes. 
Absolutely. Ah, uh, there was just so much. Um, first of all, one really cool thing that you that came through to you was that I had a past life in Italy, which yes. anyone that knows me knows that I love Italian culture and that I could eat pasta every day of my life. And that really? if I had another life, I would be I literally say this, if I could just leave here today, I would go make pasta with the little old ladies in Tuscany. That used to be my, I, I saw Under the Tuscan Sun years ago with Diane Lane, this like 14 year old gay boy that is like, I think I'm going to own a villa in Tuscany one day and I'm going to find love and like the water is going to come out. Kindred. Yeah. Kindred. Not, yes. That came up right away. I want to say with you. That was the first thing you said. That's why it's the first thing I'm saying. And then the second thing you said, which I actively carry with me to this day and think about when I'm in a car is you said you have a thing with control, which is absolutely true. And how control is a big thing for you, especially in a car. Um, and you're like a bit of a front seat driver, backseat driver, whenever you're not driving because you had uh, some car accident trauma in your past life and in a past life. Yes. So that just like, woo, that got me because it's so true. That's crazy. Crazy. Um, and then, you know, my grandfather was, was the person that primarily came through, which no surprise there. He had the biggest personality. He loved people. He loved to talk. He was just a big New Yorker. And he was there. You said you saw him coming in with flowers and he sat in the balcony for the first show so he could be eye level with me when I was flying. So that was really special. And then he's not with me on stage, but he is with me if I want it, if I call on him and he's there, he's with me in like the five minutes I have alone um, as the show's starting. Yes. So really cool. And then you said you saw um, my dog that had passed away around him. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Because it came up somehow about the dressing room or something. Yes. Yeah. It'll, th- it, there was that, but then you also saw, so you saw that picture in my dressing room, but then you also saw my dog that had passed away, like circling my grandfather. Yes. Which is just, woo, that I had a very strong relationship with that dog. So that was amazing. Um, and then, you know, you talked about my relationship a lot and just some things that were really, really just hit home for my boyfriend when I talked to him about it, about his goals and aspirations and just really cool insight into what he wants to do and what he needs to do to get to where he wants to be. Um, And then as I'm going down, um, (laughs) yeah, I think you just talked about without revealing too much more, you talked about a little bit about my future, which was really cool and um, just like filled me with hope. I really just kind of um, felt very open right here and in my solar plexus um, after the reading. And I, it was wonderful. Um, I'm, so glad. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think maybe, mm-mm-mm. oh, I mean, you talked about, like my grandpa talked about my grandma, grandmother a little bit and you know, how she needs to stay mobile in her life and mobility issues. And it was just really cool. And I think I've always wanted for my life, like since I was a little kid and my grandpa died eight years ago now. So I wasn't a kid, but I, ever since I was a little kid, I would always lay in bed at night and like, thank God. And then 
And then I would also, I would thank my ancestors. I'd be like, okay. And I would like name them all. I do too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I don't do it as much anymore. I, I don't really do it at all anymore, to be honest, but I probably should, because that was a cool, I feel like as a young child, I was very just in tune with the spirits around me. Yeah. And when my grandpa passed away, he passed away super young. He was 70. And, um, it was just, I, f- I would always call on him. I call on him a lot. I continue to call on him. And so it was cool to know that he's listening and that he's there. He's really there. And it was just amazing to be able to connect with him in this way, literally connect with him. So I will just never forget it. I also remember I talked about your ankle and I was like, you yes. need to watch. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Cause they showed me like the alphabet boots. And then I was like, I saw, I was like, well, it's not the raked stage. It's not Mm-mm. the Gershwin, but I'm like, you got to watch your ankle. And then you told me that you had, you had an ankle injury years in ago. In college. I had an ankle injury in college and it's, thank God now. Okay. But it's something that I always need to watch. I have a weak ankle and you said he he's telling you to watch your ankles. And that just was like, what? And I think be more (laughs) cognizant of like how you move because Mm -hmm. you know, if you're listening at home and you're like, well, that sounds spooky to be like, is something bad going to happen to my ankle? No, it's just, it's no different than like, than if they were here in the physical and your mom's like, watch your ankle or, or you right, know, exactly. your mom's not predicting, if your mom's alive, she's not predicting that you're going to hurt your ankle. She's just being protective because she loves you. That's exactly how it works with spirit. And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you were stuck as a ghost in a theater for all of eternity and you could only watch the same musical over and over, what would you pick? Oh my goodness. You know, I want to say ragtime. Ragtime. And Michelle Ragusa, the one I told you about, she was the closing Evelyn Nesbitt on Broadway. <gasps> Check that out. So nightly going on with like Lashans and. Oh, um, come on. Oh, goodness. I forgot who the rest of her cast was, but it was like bonkers. She was like original cast of Vic Titanic with Victoria Clark. And recently, oh, I was so crushed and pissed. I got an email from To My Junk. And the sender was, get ready, Victoria Clark. And I'm like, oh shit, Stop. oh shit, oh shit. Calm You're down. Like, it's happening. I'm like, it's happening. She knows about my work. And it's like, hello. And it's, it was one of those spam emails. So it's like, I am a, the CEO of a branding thing. You have great potential at stage show no. media. And I was like, damn it. I was like, I literally was like, do it. Oh. One day I'm going to manifest Victoria yes, Clark. Yes, you will. I'm manifesting it for you. Perfect. But Ooh. not spam Victoria Clark. <laughs> any character that you, <laughs> any character you've played, um, that you think would benefit most from having a medium uh, read them? Oh, wow. Oh, maybe um, Fiona and Shrek. Oh, She's got a lot of issues to work out for she sure. Does. She's got the part rage, you know, the waiting. Um, Fiona, that's a great, no one's ever, I, I think I've had some folks that have played Fiona and that's never come up. So that's a mm-hmm. good choice. Thank um, you. Hundreds of years from now, when we're not here, how would you want folks to look back and remember Talia Seskauer? Oh, she was just a, a super tall, goofy ball of energy whenever she walked into a room and she was a really loyal, good friend and she made the world a better place every day. Maybe. You are. You are such a light. You are. Um, 
Talia, I want to thank you for, for being our guest today. Everyone at home, I'm going to put the links up where you can learn more about Talia. You can check out if you live in a city where Wicked is touring right now. Talia is the alphabet that is going to be on the road bringing Wicked <gasps> to you. It's going to be incredible. Talia, everyone at home, be well, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to learn more about mediumship, please feel free to check out my website, www.stagestormedium.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter or book a reading for yourself. Feel free to check out my Instagram at stagedoormedium or subscribe to my YouTube channel by the same name, Stagedoormedium. Thanks so much, be well, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.